Time with Pastor Monty, a show where two pastors from different generations talk about truth in today's culture. At the top of the show today, let's go ahead and spread this content by liking and sharing it and making sure that you're subscribed to our show. And for all of you on YouTube, hit the bell so you can be informed of all upcoming shows. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of the Lakewood Bible Fellowship's online podcast network of shows called the VRN. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at org, where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about ABF and our local church in Portland, Oregon. And now that all of that is said, I'm Pastor Josh, the senior pastor over at ABF, and your co-host for this show, and this is Pastor Monty. Welcome to Truth Time. I am Pastor Monty, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Josh, and we are going to be spending the next hour together covering a variety of subjects. We will begin with the Christ Factor. What an appropriate song for where we are at in our study of Colossians. For in Colossians, we've been looking at the Apostle Paul's approach to dealing with uh, the uh, the issue that the, that the church at Colossae was facing, particularly dealing with the uh, subject of Gnosticism. But he has been expounding, as it were, on uh, what the condition of man is and who Jesus Christ is in that process. We kind of left off at verse 20 where we were talking about the fact that we have been reconciled through him. So, so Jesus Christ is the vehicle through which we are reconciled to our relationship with God, and to himself all things, uh, whether they're principalities on heaven or earth, and making peace through his uh, shed blood on the cross. Then he goes on just to reiterate the importance of understanding what our condition was, so that there's, uh, so that there's no question as to uh, the Apostle Paul's understanding of the condition of man prior to, to Jesus Christ. Can we use the video? Is there audio? Is there audio on the on the audio on the manual? Hit the mic thing. No, okay, well, I'm back. <laughs> okay, now I'm out again. That just something is loose. Yeah. 
if if you can know now I'm back again. So if you can hear, we're having just basic technical difficulties. Bear with us just a moment. Okay, well, we're, we seem to be all right for now. Do we, do we have any viewers? Okay, so forgive us. We had a uh, little bit of technical well, difficulty. Let's wait until, the, let's wait until the, we get the go-ahead because it might be. Okay. Waiting for the go-ahead. Okay. So uh, forgive us. We had a little bit of technical difficulty. And we are back discussing the book of Colossians. And uh, we're picking up at, at uh, verse 21 and 22. And we were reading that uh, for we were, uh, you were once alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy to himself without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from that hope which is held out in the gospel, this gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which... Paul, I, uh, have become a servant. So the Apostle Paul is just making very clear here a couple of different things. He's establishing the fact that um, we were alienated from God and that it is the work of Christ on the cross through his shed blood which brings us back to uh, a, a position of reconciliation with God so that we might have relationship with him. Now, at this point, I would just say that there are a whole smorgasbord of religious faiths out there that claim to either represent Christ or that claim that uh, you can have some type of belief in Christ and that uh, and that and that you're good. That you know you don't you don't have to worry because you know you be, you believe in Christ. But the reality of it is, is they also then throw in that Christ is one of many. Christ is one of many. Uh, Christ is an avatar. Christ is, uh, you know, just another vehicle uh, through which we can uh, reach and understand God. Uh, you know, and Christ is not the sole vehicle through which we can have a relationship with God. It is at that point that we have to make a break and make it clear that what Scripture says without uh, being shy about it is that Jesus himself claimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's a very exclusive statement. And it is only through Christ's shed blood that we are able to, to be reconciled to God and enter into uh, his presence. And the Apostle Paul makes that very clear. It is only through the shed blood of Christ. So if you claim anything but the shed blood of Christ, then you are not his disciple. And that's harsh, but that is what Scripture says. And my responsibility, and I think Pastor Josh will agree with me, that his responsibility also is to make sure that there's clarity on that point. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that point. Um, I think it's important just to note for the sake of discussion again that what we're dealing with is a Gnostic interpretation of salvation or as the theologians would call it soteriology sure and specifically that the the belief that was being combated here by the apostle paul is just this proto-gnostic idea that we find salvation by gaining knowledge um, we find salvation by knowing ourselves we find salvation by leaning into the into the self into the into the god within 
And so that's really the point that's being made, and I think that that's a really prescient point for today because um, more than any other thing in this, w in this world, there's a climate that pushes against organized religion and yes. goes for the, m the more spiritual and this is and 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 it even does it within Christianity, like the progressive Christian movement, for instance, within Christianity is um, pushing this idea that Jesus is really a personal experience rather than an actual human being that is a fact of reality. Right. Um, and so this is you know uh, they need to read Colossians. Yes, and I mean this was and the rest of the Bible. And the <laughs> well, I was thinking the book of John, for example. Yeah, as well the first uh, couple verses. Yeah. That's well established because this was one of the things that the church battled early on in its history, is uh, b uh, lining up with a clear definition of who Jesus Christ was. Was he? Th there were some who contended that he was just a spiritual. Uh, entity or idea and not a physical person at all and so there was a during the first century there was a lot of a struggle inside of christianity with figuring out uh, who jesus christ was well and it's strange because we come from a very western format where our tendency would be to say that's a man there's no way he could be god and so we would wrestle with that idea like yes. is he really god yes but that's not the format that they came from no no, and, 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 and yet that idea was also addressed in the statement that's made in the book of John. And subsequently later, uh, during, the, uh, during the, the councils uh, that uh, were brought about to, to bring these things forward. So the Apostle Paul is very clear that this is where he's coming from. And again, he's battling the issue of uh, some type of a special knowledge. And the only the, the your only connection to God, according to Scripture, the, your only connection to God is that you are covered by the shed blood of Christ, and it is not our work, it is not our special knowledge, it is not because we have done anything special that we enter into His presence, but it is be sh because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Now he goes on to say, talking about his labor for the church, and so he's going to, again, he's laying a little bit of foundation for the church at Colossae, and so he goes on to say uh, that uh, he rejoices uh, for his suffering, and uh, well, I'll just read it. It says, and now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, uh, and I fill up my flesh for what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. So the, the body of Christ is the church, or, or the, 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 uh, the church is representative of the body of Christ. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission that God gave me to present to you the word of God in his fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden from age and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's uh, people. Uh, just a, a side note, as we're looking at this from a study standpoint, there are many people that are not aware or have not really taken the side note to understand that that. Uh, when the Apostle Paul went through the conversion experience on the, on the road to Damascus and the, the blinds, as it were, were lifted off of his eyes and he was able to see. And he had this, this uh, very real experience of, of Christ confronting him. Uh, and and uh, he, did, he did not immediately go out and start preaching. Right. But rather, he was uh, driven off, and we think the time period is between three and five years, but he was driven off to uh, Arabia. Yeah, I mean, he had like a, you know, he went to, I think, various people's houses or whatever where he was directed, and yeah, he did and that. But yeah, he didn't start a teaching, mi he didn't start ministry. Right. Yeah. And, and when he, and, and so when he came back to the church, to try to establish this ministry because God specifically told him that he was going to be able to present 
the gospel to the Gentiles. Now remember, he was coming back to a Jewish church. The church at this point was predominantly Jewish. The disciples were all Jewish heritage. Much of what they had done is they had incorporated much of their belief system into the uh, Judea way of thinking. And the Apostle Paul is coming back and entering onto the scene that God has commissioned him specifically to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And so it was a little bit difficult for those whom he had <laughs> persecuted. Remember that before his conversion experience on the road to Damascus, he was uh, chief persecutor. Yeah. And persecuting is like taking it is light. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's I mean, he, he would. He's he, a murderer. He's, he, he would be happy to stand by and stone people to death. Right. That's what he did. And uh, so. Well, and he was present at the stoning of, of, the, of the very first martyr in the church. Yes. So he was complicit in the actual beginning of the killing of the of the church like everybody like we talk about the persecution of the church you know and uh christians going before lions and all sorts of things like that like paul was the first person he was like one of the first people to like start that process right so when he came back to the church now years later after his uh, conversion experience on the road to damascus they were like i don't know yeah i mean they were doubtful that first of all, they were not thrilled with the idea that the gospel was going to be presented to Gentiles. Because remember, they thought it was primarily a Jewish thing. Um, so they weren't thrilled with that idea. But then as he presented his experience to the church, he had to win them over, as it were, and, uh, and work with them in order to uh, get them to be able to agree to his going out and doing uh, work amongst the Gentiles. Right. And so that's what he's establishing here is that um, that was his specific calling, and he was uniquely called to do that because he was not only a Jewish scholar, but he was a Greek scholar as well and and lived dynamically within Greek, Greek culture. He was a... He was a Roman citizen, and that that gave him unique access to the to understanding the the Roman uh, ways and philosophies of the world. So God uniquely called him to minister to the Gentiles that were there, and so we're going to uh, conclude uh, our time today uh, with that thought, and we'll pick it back up uh, where he talks specifically about. Uh, the Gentiles and uh, his work amongst them as we continue looking at the book of Colossians. Let's take a look-see uh, and talk a little bit about, uh, about relationships. Now, we have been talking about uh, relationships uh and we are at our point in time where we're talking about specifically relationships between husband and wife. And it's been a little bit drawn out just from the standpoint that this is the, uh, I believe that this is the premier, aside from our relationship with, with God and understanding who God is and how we interact with him, um, I believe that this is the premier relationship of, of, of a human experience. So we have other dynamic relationships, such as we talk a little bit about the relationship that exists between parent and child, for example, which, right. which is a dynamic relationship and an important relationship. And, and we talked about that, but that does not supersede uh, the relationship between husband and wife. And what we had talked about or left off in our thinking last week was understanding that uh, in, in an ideal world, the, the uh, dynamics uh, of an individual's life uh, should be in, in such a way that uh, when I'm a young person, uh, my act is together and I know that I, I have a desire for a spouse to develop that uh, lifelong relationship with uh, somebody who um, I can bond to. 
and and uh, I find that person that their act is is together, and we come t- <laughs> we c- we come together both of us, uh, and we form the ultimate uh, the ultimate act together of learning how to be one in our relationship. And if 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 my life is in order and my partner's life is in order, then we have to learn how to now make our two separate lives into one life as we have a relationship with each other. And then, of course, the byproduct of that naturally is that there are going to be children, although not all the time, but most of the time, children are going to be a byproduct of such a relationship. That's the ideal. I would think even if there aren't, uh, like biblically speaking, even if there isn't a um, biological offspring, there would still be offspring. You know, it would it would it would happen in mentorship and discipleship of other couples. It would happen in taking on other, you know, adoption. Yeah. So there's there there would be fruit that extends outward from that relationship. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, so that's that's the ideal. Now today we want to begin to talk about reality and how we deal with reality, because the reality of it is, as we've already talked about, when. The understanding of relationship. Can, can I just ask, when you say reality, are, do you mean to say that what is being said there is ideal and not reality? <laughs> for, for most people, yes. Okay, I'm that's what you're that. saying. Okay. Yeah, for most people, yes. And and the reason for that, Josh, is that is that um, what we learn and understand about relationships is is uh, is presented to us within within the dynamic of a a uh, a familial context. So I learn about relationships from my parents. Yeah. I I learn about relationships from my interaction with my brothers and sisters. Sure. And and uh what we've discussed up to this point is that oftentimes those relationships are dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is that those dynamics of relationship that can get carried over now into my new relationship with my spouse um, uh, have a great deal of effect upon how it is that our relationship is going to go because you've got all this baggage. Right. And, and, and the reality of it is, is that, is that um, at least my experience is that most people do not talk about uh, this type of dynamic in any depth. Most people that I know of, even in establishing casual relationships, um, d- do not talk deeply about the things of life. They talk about casual type things. You know, they have a casual relationship about the weather or about. Well, I would know, say that the reason why that is to conjecture is that most people enter in a relationship n- not to work, right? Like relationships are established for convenience. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I would agree. Right, we work like we only enter into working relationships because we're trying to get something to make it so that we don't have to work. Right. So that's and, social and contract theory. And, and oftentimes the and we talk about this when we talk about uh, premarital counseling. One of the things that we we emphasize heavily is that the. The marriage ceremony, the the getting of the ring upon the finger of your of your spouse, is not the end game. Right. That's the beginning. Sure. Yeah. And and uh, so that that <laughs> undergirds Josh's point that if you're going to establish and have a successful relationship, it requires work on both parts, and one of the dynamics of that work is that. Um, you have to learn a certain so so you have to learn how to develop that relationship so that requires you to study well it certainly requires more than you to Netflix and chill um, <laughs> yeah do you know what that term means chill no to Netflix and chill <laughs> no, um, I can conjecture but go ahead and tell me <laughs> <laughs> sure. well it means you know to put on a movie and to engage in the act of coitus Okay. Or some derivative form of that. Wow. 
Okay. That's it's like that's it's part of hookup culture. But yes, if if all you're thinking is you know convenience, that has to happen, is that the husband and wife need to learn some skills in order to be able to uh, establish a successful relationship. It looks like we're back live again, at least on Facebook. Okay. Y you can keep going, just we, letting you we, know. Uh, we, we are having uh, technical difficulties, and so we apologize for the break, um, but we're just going to continue uh, talking a little bit here. Just a quick question. Do we lose our, f our YouTube feed also? Uh, yes, but it should be back. Okay, I just don't, I don't see it, but that's that's fine. Uh, so yeah. So what we want to do over the next uh, couple weeks is talk about how to develop some of those dynamics, because to just for clarity, so we can kind of sum this up, what what we've been talking about is the fact that that most people that come to the husband and wife relationship come there with lots of baggage. Right. Have you ever have you ever seen those uh, shows? You know, like uh, I, I'm not being sexist here. I'm just saying that this is what's portrayed. You know, we just take a couple seconds before we <laughs> say it. Uh, you ever seen any of those shows where you know the the the, the uh, hotel uh, bellhop uh, is uh, is getting the luggage for uh, individuals and and the guy just has one or two bags, and the woman has uh, ten bags? No. Never seen Where it? the woman has ten bags? Yeah. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Not carrying it. But yeah, but have the bellhop is trying to put all the luggage. Sure. The woman has got all kinds of... Sure, yeah. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> sometimes that's a, that's a great visualization for what happens uh, in the beginning of a marriage relationship uh, where... People will have Wait, all are this you baggage. Are, are you trying to say that women enter the marriage relationship with more baggage I than men? Sa I, d I said that I'm not being sexist. I'm just saying that that's what's depicted. Okay. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't write and call me. I'm not being sexist. I'm just saying. No, both men and women have baggage. It's just that women tend to be more... Uh, proactive about their baggage men are lazy and they don't want to carry as much baggage it's i mean it's you're definitely speaking in stereotypes yeah 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 and, and i admit that it's a stereotype i think i think men aren't lazy i think they're unfocused that's th because a man will carry the will carry the weight of um like the like goal-oriented type things, you know, like, like needing to needing to provide for his family and so on and so forth. Right. Like right. a woman is is much more suited physiologically, like in the brain, to handle multiple things. Yeah, and specifically to deal with like the emotional side, the tending side, which is why I think, th uh, which is why I think you can correlate baggage, like literal baggage. I think you can correlate that to a woman's experience because a woman cares more about the tending you could say that a woman is not going to have um she's going to have a lot of luggage that has like clothes and things like that right but that a guy is going to have luggage that has computers and and uh cords and you know things like that because his his goal is different than a woman's i, I would agree i would agree and that's and that's a good way a good way to look at it also the guys the guys baggage if we continue with the analogy is directed more towards meeting his needs. The the woman's baggage is going to be not only her needs but her children's needs, even his needs. All these other side well, things I are mean, thrown in there. I mean, I, I, it's not. It's just it feels too simplistic to say meeting his needs. It I would view it as meeting his needs to complete the task of meeting everyone's needs. Um, but he doesn't necessarily think the guys don't tend to think of everyone as the individual elements, whereas women do tend to think uh, more emotionally and more relationally about the individual. Right. So, uh, you know, a guy may be thinking, I got to take care of my family, but he's not thinking I got to take care of, in my case, like Joseph and everything that Joseph has to deal with, 
and Sophia and everything that Sophia has to deal with and Olivia and everything that she has to deal with and my wife, that's Michelle, I might as well name her. Um, <coughs> so whereas a woman is more thinking about every single person, you know, and individually, individually. so a guy's right. like, you know, I need food, I need shelter, I need water, you know, I need warmth, like I need these things so that everybody can participate. And a woman is not uh, geared toward thinking that way out the box. Um, it doesn't, one is not better than the other. Right, right. Yeah, they're just, they're there. So, so, um, so what we're going to continue our discussion next week is, is beginning to tear apart a little bit how we're able to, to sort through some of that baggage enough for uh, a husband and wife to begin to establish uh, a, a secure relationship. And we'll just kind of look at that a little bit before we move on to dealing with relationships that now uh, happen outside of the familial. And there's lots. We don't realize it, but there's lots. Your relationship with work, your relationship with your church, your relationship, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of relationships. Because remember the underlying premise here is that God created us as relational beings, and therefore we establish all kinds of different relationships. We just uh, sometimes we suck at them, or we d we don't uh, we don't recognize that they even exist, and so they become very sloppy and then chaotic. And so what we're attempting to do is to try to clarify that's not what God would have for us. He would have for us that our relationships uh, are uh, productive. And that ultimately, uh, they reflect his, uh, his influence in our life. Let's take a look at our, our next section today as we, uh, as we keep moving along. Uh, what is your take? What is that? <laughs> that reminds me of the music from the water show at Enchanted Forest in Oregon. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, you know, there's lots of stuff that we could talk about, but I I, uh, I wanted to bring up something which we're probably going to spend a couple weeks on, um, and that is, uh, it's all, well, it's not all over the news, but it is all over the news, um, the fact that Russia is getting ready to invade the Ukraine. That's what I hear. And they might or they might not. Mm -hmm. And you, um, so there's a lot of confusion uh, from people, and not everybody's agreed. None the, the talking heads are not necessarily agreed whether we should or we shouldn't. Uh, there are some people who say that we should uh, we should prevent Putin from doing that because we got to have Ukraine's back. There are. Others that are saying, actually, we have no security interest in what's going on in Ukraine, and so we should stay out of it. Um, and there's lots of confusion out there. And for the church, um, this is something that, that uh, affects us. It will affect us based upon whatever happens. And we just need to be aware of some... Uh, you know, some things, and so I don't want to get into necessarily teaching, but there needs to be some background because many people just don't understand the background that is that is there. How So how does it affect us? Well, ultimately, the church needs to be concerned because these things which are happening in this region actually um, will, will uh, uh, precede the coming of Christ. Could be. Yes, very well could be. I mean, we don't know that. We don't know for sure that that's the case, but what Scripture does indicate are some things when you go back into the Old Testament prophecies, uh, the regions that will be involved. There are, do have to be certain geopolitical alignments being made, and all of these things are happening uh, around us geopolitically as a country. And as believers, we need to pray for wisdom uh, 
uh, and for God's sovereignty in how we approach things. So I think that there is a need to at least have a somewhat of a historical understanding for what's going on um, and what has been stated at this point because things are not going to get better. They're going to get worse. How, how does it affect our um, spiritual, like, everyday walk, though, like knowing those things? Well, uh, especially those things that are conjecture. No, that's a good question. It's a good question. Um, I, I think that there's a, there can be, as, as believers, with the tension which is in the world today, there can be a lot of anxiety. And, and the reality of it is is that the everyday things that we have to deal with, so let's, you know, we're talking now, uh, what, what do they call it, uh, uh, table, uh, kitchen table discussion type things. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking uh, um, inflation and the rising of prices. We're talking about, uh, we're t- and, and those, those things are affected by energy, for example. And while under President Trump, we had uh, gotten energy independence under the current administration, under Biden's administration, we now are no longer independent, but we are now dependent upon other countries for our energy uh, out of the Middle East. And so the tension that is there causes the rise of gas prices, which means that, you know, you did have $100 in your pocket. But in order for you to, um, in order for do you to do what you need to, uh, you now only have uh, sixty dollars in your pocket uh, because the price of everything goes up. The price of food goes up. The price, and so for many believers, there will be a choice that they have to make economically on on uh, do I support the church? Do I pay the tithe? Or do I do I eat? That's an, those are important questions. So that's what you want to talk about? And those are things, well, I want people to understand what's going on around us because we, while in one sense we have no control, but on the other hand, I think that we need to understand that God is in control and that he's told us that certain things will happen. So you were saying, so about Russia, you think that Russia is the fulfillment of prophecy here? I think Russia's involved in the fulfillment of prophecy. Which prophecy are you thinking of? Well, I'm thinking of the uh, the um, those nations which will come against Israel. So here's 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 the bottom line, and then we'll go from there. My my belief is is that is there is no place in Scripture that the United States is talked about at all. Yep. There's no reference that we can find uh, for anything about uh, this land that we live in here in the United States. So, but currently, well, it, it was under as a, under President Trump's administration, the United States was uh, was the leading world power. Now, in order for there to be a a um, in order for there to be a, a world war, as it were, and for Israel to be in danger of the powers that be, because remember, Israel has a lot of, they've got a lot of enemies. They've got Palestine, which they continue to fight over. They're surrounded by enemies on the Egypt, Syria. All the lands that surround them uh, are against them. Iran has specifically stated that they want to destroy Israel. They want to destroy the great Satan, which is for them the United States. But they particularly want to destroy Israel. And they have been working towards a a viable nuclear uh, weapon, which they can transport uh, via ballistic missile. And they have specifically stated that they will... Uh, seek to destroy Israel. So they will have that weapon within the next several years. They've been working at that. Um, You know, the uh, Scripture talks about the lands of Gog and Magog. And if you look on a map of where these lands were in in times of old, um, the regions are Russia and China. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So, yes, there's some speculation there, and when you deal with prophecy, there always is. But keep in mind that 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 uh, China specifically has stated, now China, uh, a communist country run by the Communist Party, uh, China has stated specifically that it's their intention to be the dominant world power um, with by 2035. And they are taking every action they can aggressively to be able to do that. They have established military bases out, uh, out in the middle of the ocean in the, uh, in the China Sea and, uh, and uh, around the Philippines and in those areas. They have established military bases to be able to base uh, their their uh, warships out of, uh, already establishing that. They are testing uh, hypersonic missiles, as Russia is testing hypersonic missiles, uh, to be able to be used uh, in a conventional war. Um, they are nuclear power, just as, just as Russia is a nuclear power. Uh, they are trying to... So, so currently... The United States, uh, the dollar is the uh, the current uh, way of uh, thinking in regard to what stabilizes the currency. China is seeking to upset that, and has stated that they're going to do so. They so they they own large portions of uh, debt uh, from the United States, and. It is my belief, and th again, we're into speculation, it is my belief, it has been established that the virus which was developed was developed in the Wuhan lab. That's been established that it came out of there as much as we can. Uh, the military was involved in that development, and they released it to the world in order to cripple the world's economy so that they can begin coming out ahead. <coughs> so the thing here is that China and Russia have been talking recently. They were enemies. But recently, Xi Jinping and, and uh, Putin have been uh, talking about how it is that they're going to dominate the world. Russia is currently in the in the position of being aggressive uh, towards uh, towards the Ukraine, and and uh, that's what we see happening on the border right now. So there are literally hundreds of thousands of Russian troops on the border at any point, getting ready to invade the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. The if he does that, and the United States under the current administration doesn't do anything if if we don't do anything then that establishes weakness of which these types of leaders will run with china has for years been threatening taiwan yeah and sees taiwan as part of china and so they've just been holding back because the united states has been supporting taiwan but if they see that we're weak and that we're not going to do anything, if if uh, Putin invades the Ukraine, then we can almost inevitably see China uh, invading Taiwan. So we've got we've got four fronts that are of concern to us uh, as a people, which could precipitate a a. Uh, a gar an Ar Armageddon-style war because of the nuclear element that's involved. We've got uh, China, we've got Russia, we've got Iran, and we've got North Korea. Because North Korea has been developing nuclear warhead as well and has also been trying to test hypersonic missiles in order to carry their nuclear warhead. Now these people will use these nukes if they if they have their say. So so as a believer, I look at all that and it's a little bit scary. 
because we don't know how it's going to shake out. But it's frightening. So what will it, well, how will it affect me? Will it affect me as a believer because with the world prices gone crazy, uh, and you've already started seeing some of this with the difficulty of uh, the supply chain, yep. you're going to find it difficult to get uh, fuel. You're going to find it difficult to be able to heat your homes. You're going to find it difficult to buy food. Uh, you know, currently our food, but I've increased our food budget by several hundred dollars and still uh, two bags of groceries itself almost cost a hundred dollars. Mm. It's just going crazy. And as a believer, uh, it's frightening to see all these things happening. And all we can pray is that God is uh, sovereign in all these things. I have a different interpretation of it. I don't find it frightening at all. I, I think as believers, we're the ones, we're the, we are the ones who have the ability to not find it frightening because it makes sense. Um, in a world where things are chaotic, you know, whoever's the biggest, um, strongest, baddest, you know, person has control. And so that seems, yeah, that seems incredibly frightening. But for me, this stuff doesn't matter. Like, for me, we know that a future is going to come where there is some sort of form of persecution, both of the Jews and of Christians. We know that whatever is going to come will finalize as a worldwide persecution. Although we've seen this before, we've seen it going all the way back to the early church, all the way uh, multiple times over and over and over, whether it be the early church or the Third Reich or, or even things that happened in these individual countries. It seems like there's always a localized event that you know sort of mirrors um, the Gog and Magog situation in Ezekiel or that mirrors the, uh, the um, tribulation or the man of lawlessness uprising in Thessalonians. There's these prophecies that like give this idea that something bad is going to happen where Christians are persecuted, where a war on God is going to be instituted, where different nations come together and so on and so forth. That is, that is the transitory flow of reality. And so for me as a Christian, none of it really matters because that's just how things are going to work. Like I personally believe that um, – I personally believe that – this stuff will come to pass in my lifetime. I expect it, uh, maybe as an old man, but, but I think that a final version of it will come in my lifetime. But I'm not concerned um, or worried or bothered. I think that our call, I think that none of that translates to our call as human beings. And our call as human beings is to love God with every part of our being and to love man tenderheartedly. And I don't think that uh, I don't think whether you are personally being persecuted in a Nazi concentration camp versus whether you know um, people are going to war across the world, whether you are literally there. I don't think that you are inhibited as a Christian from um, from your call to do that. Now I may make it difficult. Um, Fear doesn't factor into it, and I, it's hard for me to find a life application for uh, – to me, it, it would be the same thing as saying um, breaking news, um, the world functions on logic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Nobody could make that statement. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, breaking news, the world functions on logic. You know, it's like – Well, Spock well, uh, would make that statement, but he died. Well, there's that. And then resurrected and then died in real life. And then there's an alternate reality. Anyway. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you, Josh. And I'm not saying that I'm afraid. Well, you were saying, you, you said that, I think you actually. No, I didn't say I'm afraid. All right, well. I said, you know, it is frightening. And if you don't have the correct perspective, and I believe we're going to find a number of, look, look, you, you and I both know that, I mean, I was talking about this stuff 20 years ago. Yeah, like several, like lots of scholars have been talking about it for a long time, and it looks a lot more like 
the interpretation of Gog and Magog, which you can find in Ezekiel, by the way. Uh, I posted a link um, from a great website called gotquestions.org. Um, but I posted a link to it in, in our uh, chat for today, although it's very quiet. Um, but I just, I'm looking for application here. Like, I don't know and how Christians... It, right, and, and I, except to bring it up, remember the part of this, the, this section that we're dealing with here is to bring up and bring to the forefront issues that believers uh, may s- are, are seeing things happening and, and may need some perspective on. Right, so for perspective, like when I think about this situation, I think that where the conversation needs to go for believers is you're seeing things in w- like war, you know, like all like right. pestilence, like uh, famine, uh, invasions. You know, it's a common it's a common part of my conversation with a lot of people. You know, when we talk about the future, especially those people who are just now having kids, right? right, right. And we're thinking about that, like what's coming. And so for me, the focus in the conversation is. Let's go back to Philippians, you know? Let's go back to, um, rather than speculate about what is coming and and then, like, uh, spend time essentially worrying about what's coming, let's, let's go back to what, what elements we can control as human beings, uh, the things that we can put in submission to God. So I want to go back to Philippians. I want to talk about anxiety. You know, I want to talk about giving thanks for what we have and putting our mind on the things that are lovely and pure and beautiful. Right. So you're talking about, you know, reminding people not to be anxious and submit everything to prayer. And that would be the direction that we'd be going towards is that as these things are starting to happen and as you're wondering and as it's affecting you and it will affect you. Mm -hmm. We live in a worldwide economy now. And the reality is is that you may say, well, you know, it's happening way over there across a couple oceans. It's, it doesn't affect me. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. There's lots of things going on that can affect you. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, you and your little Amazon packages, it affects you. Yeah, not, well, not only that, but, uh, you know, China is, is, uh, is setting up, you know, all of you, all of you young people out there that use TikTok, you know who owns that? China. And it has been discovered that they have uh, been collecting data from their users. Well, it's not discovered. It's just known. Well, that makes it, They're no different than how Meta, now as it's called, um, collects data also. I mean, Google collects data. Like... Everybody collects. I don't know. Why that's not. That's not a thing. Like I. Well, but I people know don't I think about it. But my point. I know is it's a thing, but it shouldn't be a thing in my mind. It's like that's a course. My point is, is that it will affect us. All of these things will affect us. The economy will affect us. Uh, you know, they're uh, a separate subject entirely. But but there are um, some individuals within our country that are beginning to seize the bank accounts of people that they, they disagree with politically. Uh, you mean the IRS? No. I'm just joking. The no, <laughs> the IRS doesn't seize bank accounts uh, without provision, so no. <laughs> without provision. Bad, bad joke. All right. I know you're sensitive to the IRS. <laughs> I'm, sen- I'm sensitive to misinformation. Oh, okay. So Sure. And and I would just share for a point of clarification for uh-huh. my listeners, it was my job to seize bank accounts. I thought the IRS so doesn't I, seize bank I accounts. I said without, uh, unless there is, you know, provision. Unless there's provision, which means right, that, you know. And and who decides that provision? The revenue officer. Yeah. The revenue officer in charge of the case. Right, but who decides that? The revenue officer in charge of the case. Yeah. But who works for who? But it is a provision that is there for people who have not paid their taxes and are stealing from you, the general populace. <laughs> so I know, but who decided that? The revenue officer. It's, it's a point of law, Josh. Yeah, but who decides the law? Congress actually decides the law. Yeah, that definitely shows, doesn't it? I'm just saying. <laughs> I, so am I. I it's so we, we think the systems are put in place to help us 
but the the actuality of the systems is that they're not airtight black and white. No, can and they that's that's human beings. Can like they be abused? Humans yes. can exploit every system. Yes, and they are in the the process of doing that in many of the systems that we have in place. Okay, so let's wrap up this section to say this. As you're watching things happening, and supposedly the deadline for making a decision uh, as to whether there is actually going to be an invasion of, uh, you know, is of Ukraine is um, tomorrow or Thursday. What does that even mean, the deadline? Well, there are you mean before, like before the, the, uh, the before people start sanctioning them, or no, like no, what do you mean? No, there are certain there are certain uh, uh, geothermal conditions that have to make it possible for the tanks to be able. Oh to my gosh, that's ridiculous. No, it's this part of warfare is understanding. The warfare in the 1950s. That's not how warfare is now. Well, y now you're talking out of ignorance. Am I? Yes. I don't think so. Yes, you are. No, you can take down an entire infrastructure by electromagnetic pulse. You don't even need soldiers. That's not what they. That's not how they do it, though. That. The point is, is what is. You know that people innovate warfare, right? You know, Josh. Like in World War II, they used planes. They cannot drive those tanks into the into Ukraine. Uh, without there being the right conditions for the to, to, to yeah, but you don't you don't, you don't even tanks. need tanks if you destroy the infrastructure on how something works with an EMP. Like it, that's not the point I'm making is people innovate in warfare. They're not going to use an EMP. Okay. Anyway, I I just think if we're going to be paranoid about what's coming. And I don't think that this is necessarily a paranoid thing. I, I think that there's a real reality that Russia will invade. But if we were going to be paranoid, it wouldn't even be hard to imagine that people will innovate in warfare. I would absolutely, uh, if it were me, with the ability that we have now, if I wanted to take something, I would absolutely do it in, in the night. That's what thieves do. Okay. Anyway. Just we're just putting it out there for you to understand. There are lots of things going on right now that that uh, are confusing, and they have both a historical uh, perspective as well as a uh, and a geopolitical perspective as well as a biblical perspective. And ultimately, God is in control. And. I agree with Josh. Let's refer back to things like if you're anxious, if you're concerned, you turn those, you pray, you pray about those things and ask God to to calm your heart and give you wisdom. Well, and go back to leaning on what we talked about earlier in Colossians, where yes. Christ is in control of every Everything. single thing. Yes, yes. Okay. Hey, let's close up our time together with a, a couple real quick. What's up with that? So, you know, uh, I guess yesterday was Valentine's Day. That's what I heard. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really a big uh, Hallmark holiday type guy. But uh, but um, the, uh, the, the uh, Idaho Potato uh, Commission, um, for those people that, that uh, really love potatoes. That's producer Jasmine. Per particular French fries. You know that they produced a perfume uh, for you, Jasmine. That uh, smells like uh, French fried potatoes. Hmm. You know, I actually was in the store yesterday because my family uh, uh, gave some gifts to to some singles, some single ladies. We went like, yeah. So we gave some gifts, and I was thinking about picking up a uh, potato for producer Jasmine. <laughs> Like really wow. true. We were thinking about uh, wrapping like a bow around it and giving it, giving it well to her. If but you my wife vetoed that. If you could have, if you could have found the uh, the potato perfume, then uh, she could smell like uh, French fried potatoes. Do you know what its MSRP is? I don't. <laughs> I don't. I only like how much does it cost for a person to like? What's the cost for a person to smell like potato? It was a. It was a. Uh, Less than two dollars an ounce. Okay. Okay. You know, so you know, 
you can tell your 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 sweet thing that uh, she smells yummy. Yeah. If you really like, you know, French fried potatoes. Okay. So uh, my yeah, what's up with that? I yep. Know. Okay. So hey, you know, there's a, a town in Hudson, Ohio, that uh, we're wrestling with the issue of ice fishing. And the city council there in Hushin, uh, Hudson, they got together and they were arguing over should they allow ice fishing. So for those of us out here on the West Coast who don't do ice fishing, you know, back on the East Coast there are places where the, the lakes and the ponds freeze over and people like to go out and cut a hole. They, they make special stuff like this for augers and stuff that will cut into the ice and they make a hole. And then they drop their line in there and uh, to see if they can catch something for, for dinner. And they put like so, a shack up around it, right? Well, that's what was the discussion is that there okay. was a discussion as to whether they should uh, put, um, you know, dwellings or, uh, you know, ice shanties, as they're called, hmm. over these holes so you wouldn't be free, but so you wouldn't be hit by the, the winds and the cold of the winds while you're sitting there waiting right. for the, the fish while you're fishing. And um, everybody in the council was kind of agreed that uh, they didn't say why you couldn't do that. But the mayor of, uh, of Hudson was opposed to that. And he was opposed to that mostly because it's, it's a progressive thing where if you allow people to ice fish, then you're going to want them to put up these shanties. Yeah. And it becomes it not, a not part only, of the economy. Not only does it not look good, but it leads to prostitution. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, that's what he said. It leads to ice shanty prostitution. And and uh, <laughs> okay. how how he made that leap was that he had once had a prostitute. In well, uh, you know, uh, he made the leap because when he was a young reporter, it's called projection. When he made the, he, he <laughs> said to try to defend himself because after he said it, he looked like a fool. Um, and people were going like, how did you jump to that conclusion? Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, when I was a young reporter, I talked to some police that busted a ice shanty prostitution ring because the prostitutes were trying to get some cold cash. Um, Wait, is that supposed to be a joke? Yeah, I threw that in there just for okay. Is, is the story a joke or is it real? No, well, the the fact no, it's real. Oh, okay, okay. In fact, in, in fact, he so the city council overruled the mayor, and they uh, are going to allow ice fishing with ice shanties. But the mayor, uh, because of that one comment and his emphatic uh, concern that allowing shanties would uh, would. Uh, allow Increase a prostitution yeah. ring uh, to develop. Uh, he had to resign because of the ridicule that he received. Why? He was just getting all kinds of... I'm sorry. I live in Portland where mayors don't seem to have to resign and <laughs> they come up with the weirdest things. So yeah. to me, that's not weird, but I know. okay. Yeah. To me, it's weird to say that, you know, when people are breaking into buildings and vandalizing and so on and so forth, that that's a peaceful protest. Like that's weird to me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with <laughs> you, but I mean, so there are two. You, so on this, on this story, we get a twofer. First of all, j just the fact that he made the jump from an ice shanty to prostitution is like what what's up with that and then and then he receives so much ridicule uh emails and news and they, that he just finally said you know I, I resigned you know what he should have done was he should have fought to legalize prostitution but only in ice shanties <laughs> and then taxed it <laughs> yeah the ice uh, shanty prostitution tax Josh. If you can throw fish is into that, there. Is that something that should come out of a pastor's mouth? I mean, prostitution has been around forever. The, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I, I'm just saying what's there. Tax it. All right. Well, with that, <laughs> we're going to close... We're going to close our time today. I'm not being prescriptive. I'm being descriptive. Sure, sure. I just want to be clear. I'm not we prescribing. I'm being descriptive. <laughs> with, 
with that, we're going to close our time today. I think back to the Apostle Paul when he said that I wish that they would be cut off. You know what I'm talking about? In regard to uh, people. Testicles. <laughs> well, he was talking about circumcision. Um, and he was saying, you know, like, you should, like, these people who are, like, demanding that you circumcise and that you're not a believer unless you do. He was saying, I wish those people would, would themselves be cut off. You know, which is m one of my favorite penis jokes in the Bible. Right. But it might be the only one. I mean, that and just the creation of man. You heard but it here. Pastor Josh has favorite penis jokes. In the Bible. <laughs> and one's outside as well. The, um, <laughs> but that's, you know, he's not being prescriptive. He's not saying, hey, let's cut off people's penises. That's not what he's doing. He's just being descriptive of what's going on. And you know what you should do? That's all I'm doing. So me and the Apostle Paul are really the same. Okay. With that, we're going to close our time <laughs> together today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, if you are someone who's seeking answers <laughs> and you want to know more about your faith, if you're new to Jesus Christ of the Bible, you can check us out at abfpdx.org. Maybe if you still want to, uh <laughs> you can do that. Um, we, this show is part of a larger network of shows. There is, uh, Culture Insanity on, uh, the last Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. where we talk about strange things in pop culture. Bible with Pastor Adam. Every Wednesday at 10.30. There's this show, of course. If you have enjoyed this service, you want to like, subscribe, share our podcast, that would be really helpful. You can always find us at YouTube when it's working and Facebook when, <laughs> when it's working. Um, <laughs> and uh, so yeah take a second to like and subscribe and all that stuff we share new content each week at two on Tuesdays at 11am and uh, I am Pastor Josh here co-host and senior pastor over at ABF and this has been Pastor Monty the views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the late Bible Fellowship you are listening to the